Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. If you are saved, you will never die. Congratulations. If you're saved, you won't die. Have you thought about that today? Have you thought about that great, wonderful promise that God gives us that if you are saved, you will never die? What a glorious promise. Uh, The simplicity of it, yet the magnitude of it. You know, if someone understands what it means to be saved, to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, to be gloriously saved from sin and death and hell and the grave, if someone understands what it means to be saved, then you understand that you will never die. Amen. Hey, think about it today. What do people fear in life? Death. Oh man, think about all the ways people fear death. They try to stay young by exercising or having plastic surgery or uh, going on a fad diet or buying cosmetics or whatever, okay? Or they try to avoid death by um, staying healthy. You look at people that are dealing with coronavirus and they're terrified of what? The virus? No, they're terrified of what could happen from the virus, right? Um, We wear seatbelts. Why? Because we don't want to die when we get in a car wreck. Lord, uh, you know, uh, Lord knows we don't want anyone to get in a car wreck. But if you are in a wreck, you don't want to get uh, thrown out of the car. You wear a seatbelt. Uh, we, um, don't go to really bad neighborhood at night. I I chuckle about that because, uh, I have family that lives in New York city and a certain part of New York city. And I remember one time I was watching a show with my wife and that man went to that part of New York city because he thought, uh, he could have himself murdered. There It was a weird thing. Uh, but look, we don't go to dangerous neighborhoods because we want to stay safe. We do all these things to preserve ourselves. Why? Because of death. We're trying to avoid death. And guess what? If you are saved, you've avoided it. Amen. You can just shout hallelujah right now. Uh, amen. That is so good. You've avoided death. You've avoided the grave. Amen. What a wonderful message I have here today. If you are saved, you will never die. Now, statistically, one out of one die, right? Statistically, one out of one die. So if you're saved, you'll never die. What can that mean? Well, number one, let's start with the idea that humans, we're the only ones that are truly aware consciously of, of death coming ahead. Uh, I know that animals, some have instincts. I've, I've heard uh, for a long time, when dogs are about to die, they'll go run off. I had a little Pekingese once that had trotted off and I, I, he was older in age and he had been living outside for a little bit. And I thought, you know, he trotted off for uh, maybe because instinctively kind of it was going to be time, but consciously he doesn't know. Consciously he's not talking about it with the other dogs. I mean, no animals know. The only ones that know are us humans. Amen. We are the ones that have a conscious understanding of death. Okay. God gave us that. And yet, if we understand God and his grace and his mercy, and we get into his word, we see that we're given a way out of the grave by who? By God himself. Our text verse here today is John 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath 
everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Well, that's pretty clear. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, this Jesus, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from where? From death unto life. All right, so three points I want to talk about today. They're all so uplifting, so encouraging. If you're saved, it should get you just on fire for the Lord. And if you're not, then it should motivate you to be saved here today. Uh, number one, eternal life is in Scripture. Eternal life's in Scripture. There's no reason for people to say, have you not heard this? And there's no reason for people to say this. Well, we have no idea what happens when you die. Uh, we, we have no clue what happens when you die. Yeah, you do. God gave us the info. It's there. If you don't have a clue, that means you have not gone in and searched the book. Amen. That means that you have sown doubt into God's word or into the authenticity of it or into the uh, uh, perfection of it or into the wisdom of it and so forth. That's all that is. That, that's your doubt. That's your lack of faith. Because if you get into the book, God gave us the info. It's in the book. We've got many verses. We'll just go through a few here that deal with everlasting life. What does it mean to have everlasting life? It means you will not die. It's very clear. And so statistically, one out of one will pass away on this earth uh, until the rapture, until the Lord calls us home, calls us church home. Yet those that pass away from this earth that are saved will not go to hell, will not go to uh, eternal punishment, will not be separated from God. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we see that here in maybe one of the most famous verses of all in all scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. Have you ever noticed that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him, who Jesus Christ, you believe on Jesus, you will not perish, but you'll have what? Everlasting life. It's right there. Uh, the question is, where will you go? Will you believe on Jesus and have everlasting life with him? Or will you go to hell? Matthew 25, 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. So we see in the Bible, it does not take a Bible scholar to understand this. It does not take a theologian to understand this, that there is a simple proposition here. Uh, you can imagine a fork in the road. I've talked about that before. And if you go one way, one thing happens. If you go another way, another thing happens. Uh, in our small little country church, a little storefront church, uh, Heartland Community Baptist Church in Lincoln, North Carolina. I welcome you to stop by anytime you're in the uh, area. We definitely have a little uh, seat open for you and love to have you. You know, in our little church, we talk about the idea of the complexities of life. We've got some bright young kids in there. We've got some scientists in there. And we talk about the complexities of nature and of animals and of humans and of weather patterns and of even seeds and dirt and all these things, all this complexity, deep, deep complexity. And then here God is saying, look, I've given you millions and hundreds of millions of different complexities in your ecosystem, in your life, in your biology. But I've given you just one choice with two possible decisions for your eternal being. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that just uh, remarkable of God? God can go so vastly deep, and yet God can keep it so simple 
that man is left without excuse. And so what are those two choices? One is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As I've already read, John 3, 16, uh, whosoever believeth on him, that's Jesus. As our text verse says, John 5, 24, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Amen. So when we believe on Jesus, and what does it mean to believe on him? You know, that's more than just saying, oh, uh, I accept Jesus and getting dunked in a, in a bathtub in a parking lot. No, it's more than that, okay? You know what it is? It's understanding what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Mount Calvary. You have to understand the price that he paid for your sin and my sin, which means by virtue of that, you must understand that you're a sinner. And that's hard to admit. I know when I first got into a Bible-believing church and that preacher was rearing back preaching about sin, I was looking around saying, oh, he must be preaching to this person over here or this person over there. And God was up there probably chuckling saying, no, Clark, he's preaching to you. Hey, you got to accept that you're a sinner and you got to accept that you can't do it on your own. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but you can't do it on your own. You cannot save yourself. Amen. This world wants to teach you that you can save yourself. I don't know why I thought of this. But growing up, I used to love watching the A-Team. Oh, I love watching the A-Team and Knight Rider and these uh, action shows. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and they, they would uh, save the day. They would uh, resolve the situation themselves. It would be this really high-intensity uh, high thing that would happen, storyline, and then they would resolve it. Well, that's Hollywood, and that's man, but that's not God. In God's book, he resolves it. You know, the Bible talks about how the first Adam came and sin entered the world. And then the last Adam, that's Jesus, came to take away the sin curse, to, to save mankind. And so we must believe on Jesus. We must believe that he died for our sins on the cross of Mount Calvary and that he was buried three days. And that three-day period, three is a very important number in Scripture. And three helps symbolize in the Jewish traditions that someone truly was dead. Three days in the ground, truly was dead. And guess what? He was miraculously resurrected by God the Father. That's proof that he is a deity, that he is God himself. And he walked this earth, not one day, not two days, not three days, not four days, but 40 days and 40 nights. He ate with, with people. Uh, he, he had uh, people look at his scars. The disciples, they looked at his scars, uh, doubting uh, uh, Thomas. He had them go ahead and say, go ahead, you know, stick your hand into to the spear uh, hole there that they had... Uh, cut him with. He had the most brutal death of uh, mankind, right? All of this happened. He bore our sin debt on his shoulders. He died for us. And why did he do it? To pay the price because God is 100% holy and he cannot accept sin. And we are descendants of the first Adam. We are sinful. And when Christ died for our sins, we are then uh, when we accept Jesus, we are then clothed with his righteousness. The Lord no longer sees our sins. He sees our debts paid, amen. He sees our debts fulfilled by the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord, the one with the, who God the Father said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, amen. Oh, he's so good. He is so good. If he never did anything for us, but that right there, that is more than enough to thank him for eternity because he literally bought us out. If you get into Old Testament terminology, New Testament terminology, you start reading about what we're called. We're called bond slaves. We're called bond servants. Amen. It's like the servant and the master. 
But the master is so good, the servant doesn't want to leave even when they're set free. That's our relationship with Christ. He is our Lord. He is our master. Okay, so that is the idea. When we accept Jesus in our hearts, that's the idea of being saved and making him Lord in our life, which means that we change things. It means that we live for him. Now, all we have to do is believe, right? That's how we, we, we have faith. We believe, right? Uh, but if you believe, then there's going to be a change about you. I think that's pretty practical. Uh, if you tell me that you believe that this boat would float in the water and uh, you never, ever want to try that boat out, then you don't really believe it'll float, right? I think that makes sense. If you believe on Christ, you're going to lean on Christ. You're going to trust Christ. You're going to live for Christ. You're going to, the Bible says, I believe it's in the book of James, faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean that we're saved by works, but our works show that we love him. Amen. And so, uh, all of this to say that when we believe on Jesus Christ, we are saved and we are set free, and our name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be blotted out, never to be erased. And what that means is we are saved. Amen. I've heard a preacher tell uh, tell a story on TV the other day about how he, when he gets to heaven, um, he will probably be surprised about some people that are there and he'll probably be surprised about some people that are not there. And that's the idea. You know, God is just that he makes this promise that when we accept Christ as savior, we'll be saved. It's in the books. It's going to happen. And some people get saved and, and maybe surprise us that they're in heaven and others look all holy, but they've never really been saved. But that eternal somewhere has an opposite. I remember, uh, you remember, I mentioned the fork in the road. If you're not going to eternal uh, security, eternal salvation with Jesus Christ, our Lord, guess where you're headed? You're headed to where there's gnashing of teeth, there's weeping. You're headed to eternal punishment, eternal suffering. Uh, you're headed to uh, damnation. You're headed to a place where there's no enjoyment, there's no fulfillment, a place that is very, very, very bad. The worst place in the world you'd ever want to go, and that is hell. And that is where the devil will be cast down to. It's not made for man. It's made for the devil and the fallen angels, but you will end up there if you do not accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's not my opinion. That's in the book. I've just read uh, John 5.24 to you. I've read John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's given him on the cross. That's allowing him to die for our sins, to pay our sin debt, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the idea of death as this idea that the light switch goes off and that's it is a fallacy. It's something that man has made up to allow themselves to sin now and not think about the consequences. But there will be consequences. Again, get into God's word and you learn so much about how detailed God is and how holy God is. And you realize he's a just God. He's a righteous God. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. All right, so what's the life application right now? What do we do with this knowledge that if we understand that if you are saved, you will never die? What is that life application? Romans 2, 6 through 8. Romans 2, 6 through 8. Now, this is God in this verse. Who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are uh, contentious, contentious, I got it, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, 
indignation and wrath. You see how God balances it out? God says, you get saved, you're going to have what? You're going to be patient, right? And you're going to be continuing and well-doing. And you're going to have uh, glory, honor, immortality, which is through eternal life. And if you're uh, contentious and you don't obey the truth, you obey unrighteousness, that would be the sinner, that'd be the the rebellious one, that would be uh, the, the ones that's going after the lust of the flesh, the ones that are living for themselves, you will face indignation and wrath. So that is the life application. We need to understand that, you know, the Bible says by the, by the fruits, you'll know them. You know, we need to understand that, that when we're saved, there's a change about us. There's something about us where we are living for, the God, for, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where we are very, very careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit, where we are truly seeking him in his word. That's why it's talking here in Romans 2, 6 through 8, about being patient uh, in continuance, well-doing uh, for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. That's the idea. And so, uh, you know, the Bible also talks about how a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You get the idea to be saved is truly to be different. And we need to really take that to heart and live for God and, and, and stop making excuses, stop putting things on the, on the uh, kind of back burner, but getting after it and being fully invested in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because you know what? God's perfect promise is, well, perfect. Titus 1, 1 through 3, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. We see in Titus 1, 1 through 3, specifically verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So here we see that God cannot lie. Think about this. If God is holy, if God is perfect, as God is sovereign, he, he cannot lie. Lying would be completely against everything that he does. Who does Jesus call the father of lies? Well, the Satan, the devil, right? And the devil perverts everything that God does. So God cannot lie. And the little G God of this world, all he does is lie. And so we have a perfect God that promised, I love this, uh, verse 2 of of Titus 1, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before, before when? Before the world began. You know, God promised this before the world began. God foreknew you, he foreknew me, he foreknew the fall. He knew everything. Nothing surprised him. There was no uh, second plan. This all was ordained to happen before as time as we understand it started and he promised eternal life. And it makes sense because you see someone lost in this world saying, well, if God loves us so much, how come he just let us live with a curse, right? Well, he didn't just let us live with a curse. He gave us a resolution. Amen. He gave us a savior. Amen. He himself came and died on the cross. God in the flesh died on the cross for our sins. And his plan of salvation is so simple that even a child can understand it. That when we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord, when we admit that we are sinners, when we admit we fall short, in other words, when we get the pride out of the way and the uh, this uh, humanism out of the way and the false doctrine out of the way, and we just say, God, we come to you humbly. Uh, you know, there's scripture in there about that. Uh, you got the Pharisee, I believe it was, going up 
and praying and saying, God, I'm so glad I'm not like this person and that person. And the other person is just wailing, saying, forgive me, God, I'm a sinner. The person that was just wailing, asking for forgiveness was the one that was right with God. And that's, that's where we need to get as Christians. We need to repent. Amen. We need to just get on our knees at night and pray to God and petition to God. And, and, and not just at night, but during the day and throughout the day, we need to bring back the prayer, uh, prayer closet. We need to bring back the family altar. We need to bring back godly time and godly principles. Just because something is popular in the world does not make it godly. You understand that? Just because something's popular in the world does not make it godly. And just because popular movements are moving away from God doesn't make God's promise any less perfect or valid. It will still happen. Amen? You can bank it. It was God's plan from the beginning to offer eternal life to the believer. It's a plan that we learn more about. You know, we, we, you see this word in, in, in the Bible often. It's in Titus 1 uh, verse 3 but hath in due times manifested in his word through preaching. Manifested. This plan is manifested to us as we study his word, as we listen to preaching. We learn more and more about the beauty of salvation, about the beauty of eternal life, but also about the details, about the promise of eternal life, about what that means, about the scope of that for humanity. It's manifested. It's, it's brought under the microscope. It's, it's give, a, a light is shed upon it as we get into his word. I've heard a preacher say before, I believe this is a Les Feldick. Uh, I love watching Les Feldick on YouTube, Bible teacher. He had mentioned that the uh, great I am, when he refers to himself as I am, it deals with the revealing of God. The ever revealing of God is the I am that's ever revealing, becoming more and more apparent. And as a believer, uh, starting as a young, young believer and growing in the Lord through uh, many years, I have seen more and more of who God is and his personality and his uh, uh, wisdom. And, 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 and I guess one of the things I learned is it'll take eternity and that won't even be long enough to truly know him because he is so wise and so sovereign and so great and so beautiful. And one way that God does this, uh, it, it gives us mercy and grace is by revealing himself and his plan to us in a way that it's manifested, that it grows over time. And God says, you know, in his word, he tells us, you know, draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to us. Or draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. Well, guess what? When you draw close to God, he honors that promise like he honors every other promise. And he will get closer to you and he will reveal more in his word for you. And uh, if you can never get past some of the basic uh, scriptures, and you never want to pick up your Bible, and you can't really be bothered with preaching, and you're just doing your to-do list during church, and everything is ceremonial and just kind of going through the motions, God's not going to reveal himself to you. Why would he? You know, and Jesus had this scenario uh, in, I believe it's in the book of John, where there were people that wanted to get to know him, and he wouldn't reveal himself to them. He wouldn't give of himself to them because he knew their hearts. Well, it's the same today. God knows your heart. Amen. He knows if you're in it or if you're not. He knows if you're playing church. Don't even bother. God knows every thought that you have had, that you do have, and that you will have. God knows. He knows however, uh, how, how many hairs are on your head, if any hairs are on your head. He knows everything about you. Amen. So we must understand that as we seek him, as we put in that earnest effort, he, I always say to my congregation at church, God knows the context of our life. 
He knows what we're going through. He knows the things that we struggle with. He knows the, the uh, forces of evil that are coming against us and the, the temptations we face. And he's not asking us from day one to be perfect Christians. He's asking us to try with all our heart. You know, the Bible doesn't say uh, achieve perfection. It says the first commandment, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, with all your mind. It means that just do everything you can to get close to God and he's going to meet you. I hope that makes sense. I hope that motivates you here today. It should. And finally, you know, how did all this come about? This idea of everlasting life, this idea that if you're saved, you'll never die. Well, it's all by the wonderful and almighty grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So what does this mean? This means that by grace we're saved. Not anything that we did, not anything that you did, not anything that we could do. It's by God's grace. You know, we all, I mean, look, myself included, okay, I'm always trying to do something for God, right? And sometimes I have to read this verse and remind myself, I can't win God's favor by doing something, okay? Though my works do show that I love the Lord, right? It, it's an outward showing of it. But truly, I can't win salvation. I can't earn someone else's salvation. I can't do anything. All I can do is turn to God. You know, that's why the, the, the Bible verse that the Lord often presents me with is be still and know that I am God. That's a great verse because when you're still and you know that he's God, you can realize it's for by grace, you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So what is your part in that equation? It's the faith. That's what it is. And uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace, are you saved through faith? How was Abraham justified? Through faith. We are saved by our faith in God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then verse 9 just clarifies it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 9 is like, look, if anybody ever wants to say that they were just such a great Christian, well, we're going to go ahead and knock that down and say there is no works that you could do, so you shouldn't boast, you shouldn't brag. You know, the Bible says that if you're uh, doing works or charity for other people to look at you. You know, the Bible says that you already have your reward. Amen. We should uh, give secretly and be rewarded publicly by God. That's what the Bible tells us. So it's not of works. It is all uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. So this means that burdens should be lifted because it's not what we have done, but what he did. Amen. It's a finished work. It's already done. This is important because we need to calibrate our lives around Christ and not the world. We need to live for Christ and not the world. Does that make sense here today? We put so much investment into the world. We try to do things in the world. We look to the world for happiness. And all of it is a big lie. It's a big scam. It's a big game. I mentioned in the introduction about people trying to avoid death. What a joke. You're not going to avoid it. Amen. I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but there's one scripture that talks about how you, uh, God's only going to give 120 years. And it just kind of goes by and it's got some other context to it. But when you look up the oldest person that ever lived, I think they were just right around 120 years. Uh, Moses died at 120. And so you start seeing that and say, God's already told you, you're not going to live past 120. You could do whatever you want. You could freeze yourself. You could uh, Botox yourself. You could mummify yourself. You're done, you know. 
But just because our fleshly body, our mortal body dies, does not mean that our soul dies. Our soul will live forever. And the question is, where will our soul live? In heaven or hell? Will our soul be in heaven, in glory, amen, in just a beautiful, wonderful, indescribable place like we've never seen? The Bible tells us, eye has not seen nor ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for those that love him, amen. I, I know I didn't quite quote that perfectly, but you get the idea. Heaven's going to be a beautiful place. I personally am ready. Amen. I'm just fine. I'm ready to go. I love the Lord. I'm ready. I'm sick of this world. I'm a pilgrim passing through. Uh, this world has been frustration to me. Amen. But you know what? I'll be here as long as I need to be here because God's called me to preach his word and there couldn't be a better thing to do. And he's called you to number one, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Understand that you must be saved. Understand that it's not a joking matter. Understand that if you were sprinkled with some water at six months old, that doesn't count. Uh, understand that if you just walked down the aisle and, and got saved because your friend got saved, that may not count. Understand that if you still live primarily in what the Bible calls sin, that you got some talking to do with the man upstairs. The man upstairs is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who we'll see on the judgment seat. That's who we need to turn to. That's who we are saved by. And it's only by believing, by having that faith. That's my question for you here today. Do you have faith? Do you believe that when you are saved, you will never die? And if you understand this concept, and if you are not saved, please, please be saved today. You can go to kjvcafe.com and uh, we've got a salvation message on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's many other messages on, on uh, the radio station here about being saved, but don't wait another minute. Be saved today before it's eternally too late. I thank you so much for listening. Take care and God bless you. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness.